Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the UR Story Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Huff Jr. And um, last week I had an episode, the Q&A episode with my cousins, and that went really well. It was the return from the hiatus I took. I think I explained uh, what I was doing during that time. I was studying for a certification for work. I was, um, you know, just getting more involved with ministry and stuff like that. So there was a lot going on. So I thought it best to kind of rest from the podcast for a little bit because I, when I give y'all these episodes, I like to just give it my all, my 100%. And I felt that if I gave y'all episodes where I was burnt out, it wouldn't have been, it, it just wouldn't have been, uh, I can't think of the word, but I, I wouldn't have been doing y'all justice by giving y'all half-hearted episodes. So I felt it was necessary to rest for that time. But we're back now. Um, we're back and better. I'm going to start giving y'all these episodes. I got a lot of good stuff coming for y'all today. But um, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's If you're watching on the video right now, obviously, you can just hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on any of the, so, uh, any of the streaming platforms, if you have YouTube, just go ahead and hit that subscription button. It'll be a great help to this. It's the reclassified. If you're listening on any of the streaming platforms, Apple Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you go and subscribe to those as well. Follow the podcast on there. Hit those links. And, um, you know, just do that. Just support. I think it'll be a great help, not just for this platform, but for others and getting this podcast in the eyes and ears of other people who, you know, could benefit from some of these conversations I have with the guests that I have on here. But speaking of guests, I have a special guest here for y'all today. Uh, this is a guy who I've known for a while. Um, we kind of didn't talk for a little bit, not because we fell off, but just kind of, uh, you know, our paths kind of led to different things. But, you know, we, we reconnected recently and it was such a great conversation that I had with this guy a few days ago and just getting, just catching up and everything. Uh, this is a guy who I met in middle school. We played sports together. We played football. Um, you know, one of the dopest, one of the coldest wide receivers I've ever seen. Um, I got my man, Mark Willis with me. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's good to see you. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said, dude, we, uh, Somewhat fell off. I mean, I know we went to middle school together and stuff, and then I don't know if we went a little bit to high school together. I don't think so, but um, yeah, I know we went to the same university. I saw you a couple times. Gave yeah, you a wave. yeah. Um, that's about it. So um, I just want to start by saying, dude, like what you're doing right here is awesome, man. Uh, expanding the kingdom. I'm proud of you, brother. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be here and excited to share what I have to say. So yeah, yeah I I definitely appreciate you being on here, man, and um, I. I don't really like saying fell off. I guess, uh, you know, we ended up where we were supposed to be. I'll say it like that. And so, you know, we're back here. And I think it's cool that, you know, we had that foundation in middle school playing sports with one another. And then, you know, um, when we when we hit each other back up again, it was kind of rooted in the foundation of Christ. So in, back in middle school, it was football. And now it's the foundation is, you know, Christ. And it's like a brotherhood now. And so I think that's really dope, man. But something I like to do in each episode, I like to remember when and how I met people. Um, it's so far back. I don't remember. I wouldn't say I remember how we met, but I'm pretty sure it was football because I know football workouts started in the summer. Yeah, I think it was. It had to be football because I remember what, what grade did you start playing? I started in seventh grade. Okay. So I'm sure so, it was seventh grade. Or yeah. I I'm sure I knew. Did you go to um, sixth grade? at? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we probably... We probably knew of each other. Yeah. But, but we got close through football for sure. 
Yeah, and then um, obviously the the different positions there, they have like their individual drills and stuff. And so I'm sure that right. with all the wide receivers, we're doing that. I think um, – Yeah, dude, we were always in lines catching balls. Again. Yeah, yeah. That's all we did, man. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember it was um, it was you, me. I, I didn't start, though. It, the st- I think you and Jake started. Uh, Jake, um, Jake, yeah, Jake Myers, Jake yeah. Myers, yeah. yeah. You and Jake started, and then I was one of the one of the backups. Yeah, but I don't know if you remember, but I was on special teams. Like I was on the kickoff team, dude. You were good. I, you I would say get, that, I would, man. You were up there. I mean, <laughs> you were up there, man. You were solid. I remember there were times where, uh, like, I would get, I would make sure because I knew Gabe could play, man. And I was like, <laughs> I would like get. I, I I got bad cramps like in middle school. Uh-huh. And so I remember there were times where I would like go out for like three or four plays, and I was like, I'd always like. I remember the next dude up wasn't Gabe, but I was like, I feel like it should be Gabe. So I remember <laughs> I was like, I'd run the signs like Gabe, like yeah, right yeah, yeah. Instead of the dude that I knew, especially next, because I knew Gabe could play. So, yeah, um, and then I don't know if you remember this, but um, we actually went against each other in high school because uh, I went to Cata, and I think it was that one game. You remember when we did the those jerseys for, like, the military or something like yeah. that? Yeah, I remember, we did military uh, jerseys. That's right. I didn't – yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, we yeah, did do that. And I think – I, I remember uh, we said what's up to each other in the game or something like that. But we, uh, I think – oh, my gosh, I'm, like, vaguely remembering that now that you mention it. I do remember seeing you. I forget if it was in the game or if we – like it was, like, at the end where we were giving high fives oh, to each okay. other or something like that. Probably. But it, it, was de- I, it was definitely that game. I do remember. But I don't think we ever – were you your wide receiver in high school? So I technically at my high school we ran this silly offense where it was <laughs> we ran an offense where it was like it I was literally that. like I'm not joking you it was ten offensive linemen yeah and a quarterback and so what we would do is is well they weren't really and technically on the ends there was two running backs we called them they weren't really running backs they were like really big kids and so what the quarterback would do is every single play we ran the same thing where we would just the quarterback would. Hike it and then just pitch it to like off the side um, to the lineman on the very end, and the lineman on the very end would just like kind of go towards the middle of the like kind of go where the quarterback was and just kind of run up the middle. And it was now it actually it actually worked fairly well. Like it's yeah. called double wing if y'all are like familiar with football terms. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't know what it was until we started running it. Um, it's called the double wing offense, and it, it worked fairly well. Sometimes it ran out a bunch of clock because you never pass it. Yeah. So like. Yeah. We would have drives that take, like, 10 minutes, you know. But it worked well. Usually the goal is to get, like, four or five yards, like, three, four, five yards every time. Then you just march down the field. It clearly didn't work because my high school is not very good at football. (laughs) But um, we had some tough competition. But, um, yeah, man. So I actually – so answering your question about if I – I did kind of play receiver, even though we didn't really throw it. When we threw it, like, once or twice a game, I would go out there. But my main position was, like, corner and safety and, like, defensive back. Yeah. Because, yeah, we didn't really need it running that offense. We didn't really need any, like, yeah athletic-type guys. We kind of just needed big dudes. So. Yeah. And that offense was definitely annoying because I played cornerback, and um, I think this this was sophomore year, I think. Um, I played – it may have been sophomore year or junior year. I don't remember. But uh, I played corner, and we would get so used to running that the one time they threw, it was on me. Oh, and no. so I, I mean, I chased him down because I was pretty fast, but it was still a significant gain, and so it was like, dang. But uh, yeah, man, kind of, kind of bringing it back, man. Uh, obviously, like I said, I like to remember when and how I met people, but a lot of the times when I meet people, 
It's, you know, where they're at in their life at that moment. Um, so kind of dive into who Mark Willis is, you know, how did you get to be where you are now and just, you know, how you grew up and stuff like that. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Mark. I'm 23 years old, um, was raised in South Charlotte, really been in South Charlotte my whole life, kind of in the Matthews Indian Trail area. Um, yeah, been here my whole life. Um, for my first, up until I was in third grade, I went to a private Christian school. Um, and then from fourth through, I guess, till the, till I graduated high school, I went to, I, I went, started going to public school and, um, yeah, man, I got, so me, like I, like me and Gabe have said, we, we went to the same middle school together, but I actually got redistricted to another high school. So, um, a lot of my friends kind of went to a different high school. And so it was kind of a weird transition there. Um, and then, yeah, I graduated high school, man, loved it where I went to high school. Like it was, it was great for me. Um, it was the Lord's plan, honestly. Um, then we both end up going to UNC Charlotte. I went to UNC Charlotte for four years, um, which is a university just east of Charlotte. Yeah. Um, graduated in four years um, with a degree in health systems management technology and a minor in public health. Um, and then as of was it July, pretty much about two months now, I just got a full-time job, which is pretty neat. Um, it's funny. We, I mean, me and Gabe were talking on the phone. I remember telling him, I was like, this is summertime. Like, yeah. I'm supposed to be going to, like, the beach and like, <laughs> hanging out with friends. And I'm like, now, nah, man, yeah. summer doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's just you got to work now. Um, yeah. So it's kind of been that weird transition there. But, yeah, that's a little bit of my background. Um, two awesome parents, one older sister who's about two years older than me. Um, she got married about, I think, a year or two ago, and um, they've been super influ- influential on my life. Um so they they're awesome, man. Um, and yeah, that's really about it, about me. So. Yeah, yeah, man. And so I, I've always wondered this because um, I never went to a, a Christian school. And so how how is that kind of experiencing that? Is it? I guess how do they balance the education aspect and the um, trying to disciple aspect, I guess. Yeah, well, I think everyone is different, so I can't speak for every Christian school, but I can tell you where I was kind of raised. It was, it it wasn't too involved. It was kind of, think of it as like Christianity was like a subject. Think of it as like you have math, reading, social studies, um, history, you know, whatever it is. Think about like faith being one of those subjects. So I remember, and I don't remember super well, because like I said, I, I, I quit doing that in third grade, going to school there in third grade. But I remember, for example, we would have, like, on our EOGs, which is, like, the end-of-year testing. Yeah. I remember we would um, we would have questions about faith on it, um, like, about Bible stories, just, you know, basics. Yeah. And you're in third grade. You don't, you know, your yeah. faith isn't, isn't as quite as vast as you're 23 <laughs> but, or, or however old. But, um, you know, it was just questions about, you know, Noah's Ark and, you know, just like basic Bible story kind of, kind of stuff. Um, so think of it as like a subject. I remember every, I don't know if it was every week or every month or so, we would have like a chapel where we would go in and we would basically have kind of like a church service. Um, yeah, yeah. I know also we were involved in plays. So like, I don't remember if it was a specifically a class, but we would have, um, I think it was a class. We had a class where we would go in and we would like rehearse a play and we'd all have like one or two lines we stand up. We'd stand in a line with a microphone, and um, we'd go in and say our line, and then we just kind of go to the back of the line, and say our other line, and it's kind of all went in order, so it made sense. Yeah. Um, and we performed those in chapel. Um, 
so yeah, like I said, I think it's it it, de- it depends, you know, what school is and stuff. But I think I think a good way to think of it, where I was from or what I was raised in, is kind of like a subject almost. Yeah, like, like just like your math and reading in high school, there was a one that had Christianity involved. You prayed every now and then with the teacher. Um, but yeah, I think I think where I was raised, they did a good job of kind of a little bit of everything. So. Yeah, yeah, because I um I know you know Metrolina, right? Yeah, yeah, Metrolina Christian Academy. I think. There was a point where my parents, they were thinking about me and my sister going there. But um, obviously, we ended up going to Sardis and then Porter Ridge and everything. But, uh, yeah, I was just wondered that because I just wondered how, you know, how, how you build that up in children at such a young age in, in that process. But, you know, building off of that, would you say that that kind of set the foundation for your faith? Because... Um, for for me, for example, I grew up in the church, and so it was always it was always there, and I'm thankful for that. But there reached a point where it kind of had to click, and I kind of had to actually have that relationship and accept Jesus in my heart for myself instead of you know somebody telling me to, I guess, or at least you know egging me on to, yeah. and not in a bad way, of course, but just kind of like. You know, it gets to the point where you have to say, okay, you know, I want to build the relationship right. with the Lord and not let somebody else be the bridge. So um, growing up in that, would you say that that kind of played a part in that transition to where it clicked for you? Or was it something outside of that? Somewhat. I mean, when you're that young, it's hard to have such a, a va- I mean, it's not, I shouldn't say hard, but um your relationship with Jesus isn't quite as vast as it is when you get older, um, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely had um, a big part of my spiritual development. Um, I learned a lot of things um, at, that, at that time. I think, as you know, and, like, I know studies show online, stuff, like, you, like, the most you learn is within those those first, yeah. you know, 10 or 11 years of your life. Um, especially yeah. Even when you're, like, a baby, dude. I was a baby in those things, man. I was in the <laughs> – I was in the – was it the crate or whatever? Not the crate. The uh, crib. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. in the crib in the church, man. So it definitely had a, a large um, role in my spiritual development. Um, it did, man. It, it's partly shaped who I am today in some good ways and, and a lot of mostly good ways and in some ways that, you know, I've kind of tried to change up a little bit. Um, but like you said, it's 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 ultimately the, the child's choice. And at some point it doesn't become – parent's choice it becomes the child's and of course when yeah. you're young you're not paying however much it is to put yourself in yeah. private school eventually it does have to become you know your choice it's like the bible said free will it's, it's, it's free will it's um so yeah once i definitely once i got out of that environment i kind of realized i quickly realized that man like the whole world is not quite because because that was my whole world it really was that's interesting yeah, yeah. and like i i just didn't really know what anything was like outside of that and so when i got to like middle school I was like, I mean, I'm so young, but at that time, but um, when I got to him, I was like, dang, like, this is a lot different. Like, you know, uh, I had never even heard like a cuss word up to that point or like I, you know, um, so yeah, it, it was, it was quite a transition. It, it definitely, it definitely had a big impact on my, on my spiritual growth. Um, so yeah, man. Yeah. And that, that's interesting. Cause I, I didn't even think about that because, you know, a lot. I always tell people for like the first 18 years of your life and really almost even the first 21 years of your life, 22 years of your life, if you include college, um, 
you're spending more time in school than you are pretty much anything else. Right. Um, it's your full-time job, man. Yeah, obviously besides summer, but that that's what you're doing. You you get to know people, and like you said, you learn so much in those first 10 to 12 years. Um, and you you build your relationship with your friends. School is like your environment. Like you were saying, that's like your world. And so going to a Christian school and that being your world and then going to a, a public school, I, I guess, yeah. where you have so many different personalities, so many different people from so many different places. And, you know, kids are starting to mature a little bit more and kind of be exposed to a lot of the things of this world. Um, like nowadays, my brothers, they they uh, talk about this dude called I Show Speed. Yeah, a, and it's yeah, like I've, I've seen like little clips on TikTok and stuff, and like Instagram at him. Yeah, he's he's wild. Yeah, it's this crazy dude. It, yeah, we're not even. Yeah, we're not even. <laughs> yeah, that. he's a crazy dude. But okay. yeah, just you know that kind of comes into middle school, and I think around that time Vine was pretty. Vine had been pretty big, and so a lot of people started having phones, and you know being thrusted from that you know Christian school into a public school where it's like everything just kind of hits you. Yeah. I can definitely see how it's kind of like a culture shock in a way. Um, and so was that something that was easy to transition into or was it, was it, did it take some time to, I guess, adapt and understand the difference in those two environments and those two worlds? Yeah, no, it definitely took some time. One thing that, you know, that church, like, the church I was raised in and where I went to school for, for, you know, those first 10, 11 years of my life is they kind of gave me a really, they made it very clear that like public school was like not a, like a good place really. Um, it was like, you know, people there, you know, aren't all Christians. They aren't all nice. And <laughs> not that everyone there was nice, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, they made it very clear that like public school was like a really bad thing. Um, when, and really in reality, like it was, you know, it was a lot different. It was definitely a culture shock. Um, but, you know, I think kids growing up have to be, you know, have some sort of environment where they're, where it equivalates to the real world. And, you know, that yeah. is definitely like what that did for me. Um, so I think I really had the best of both worlds there, to be honest with you, man. Um, yeah, I really did. Um, yeah. That's all I have to say there. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I definitely get that, man. Um, and even just growing up in the church, uh, there was a point where, a middle school was kind of a learning thing for me as well. Just seeing different things, hearing different words and stuff like that. And just kind of being introduced to a lot of the things of this world really. And so, yeah, I can see how that can be a transition, but uh, building off of that, as you got older and everything, um, when would you say it, it really like clicked for you when you really, I guess, I don't want to say officially gave your life to Jesus, but um, when you, I guess, started being proactive about it, when you started really getting serious about it. Yeah, so um, I would really say kind of in early to mid-high school, like 10th, 11th grade, um, is where I really, like, kind of gave my life to Christ in a way and, like, decided, like, I'm going to, like, really live this out. Like, there's much, there's, there's a big difference between, you know, people who, you know, say certain things and act certain and, and, and say certain things, but don't, don't act a certain way. And 
I remember I was kind of one of those kids. Like, I genuinely yeah. was. And um, so I'll tell you, I went on a – and this is something we can talk about a lot because it's super um, important to me is I – in in 10th grade, I um, I went on a mission trip with my, my church um, to Haiti. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so – I mean, it was such a crazy experience. My sister went with me. Uh, like I said, she's two years older than me, and she had actually been prior. So that was so when I went, it was her second time. It was my first and my only time. Um, and man, that trip had such an effect on my life, and I think really kind of sparked that kind of fire. Um, so, dude, I mean, I can talk about Haiti for for hours, but um, kind of my main takeaway was I went. Um, and not really knowing what to expect. Um, and I remember we went, it's called Port-au-Prince. I'm pretty sure it's like a pretty big city um, mm-hmm. over there. And the airport was in Port-au-Prince. And we went there. And the trip was ultimately to lead people to Christ and to, to do work within the community. Like we would paint houses. Um, yeah. We would go worship worship with the Haitians. Um, it was so beautiful. Um, such an amazing experience. We helped build a school, paint a house, all that stuff. Um, going to Haiti really taught me how fortunate I am. Yeah. And I think a lot of times in America, and it's just crazy to think about, and I have pictures and stuff, but, like, how blessed we are, dude. Like, yeah. we really are. Um, and, and I don't think Americans do a good job of appreciating that because we, especially that ones have never been seeing anything like that because to us, like, this is just how life is, but that's just, like, this is not reality for most people. It's just yeah. not, like, not even close. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, like, I remember, so I went to Haiti, um, and I remember just serving, we'd go into the community, like, tell people that they should come to this worship night, um, and just seeing the conditions these people were living in was just so eye-opening. Um, it was incredible. So, um, yeah, I just, I realized how fortunate I am, and that really sparked that interest I had in Christ, like, like he has just blessed me so much. Um, <clears throat> like, I remember, dude, like, we would go around the city of Port-au-Prince and see, like, families of eight living in legitimately, like, a house the size of, like, a car. Yeah. And, I'm, like, and I'm talking, like, eight people on the, laying on the ground yeah. in a house the size of a car. Man. But the most amazing thing to me was, through that whole experience, is what really shaped me is, is how happy they were. Like, those, which was, so, which was so eye-opening for me, like, those people were so happy. And there I was sometimes unhappy in my living situation in America. Like, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I got, like, this 2002 Honda Accord, man, junk. But it's like, <laughs> there, are, there, are these, there are these people are, and, like, I'm upset about this stupid yeah. stuff. And here these people are in Haiti living with eight, eight kids in, in a house the size of my car. And it was just, like, they were so happy, and it was just, it was so beautiful. I remember, man, I remember getting back home, and I remember um, – I shared a bathroom with my sister, and I remember getting back home, and I'm sitting in this bathroom. It's about, you know, just a regular single bathroom. It wasn't anything, you know. Um, And I remember, like, getting back home. The first thing I went to as I went to that bathroom, just because I had to go to the bathroom. But uh, (laughs) I remember, and I remember, like, before I went, I was, like, sitting, I was, like, I realized, like, my surroundings, and, like, dude, I just started crying. Like, I genuinely did because I I didn't deserve this. Like, these people that I had met in Haiti – like, they were so happy, so godly, so just great, amazing people, and that were so happy about having so little. And I was so upset about having so much. And, like, 
that really affected me. And I remember like sitting in the bathroom, just crying, weeping, realizing that like, I've been so selfish and I've been, and and God has blessed me so much. Um, And dude, like it had a serious effect on my, my spiritual growth. Um, That's when I decided to like, dude, like God has blessed me so much. Like it's time to expand the kingdom. It's, it's, it's time to start taking this seriously. Cause like, God put me in this position to live in this country in this time period, um, yeah. in this house, you know, like, um, so that's when I'd say I really started taking it serious, man. Just those people, they were in Haiti. They, they really changed my life. And I would encourage anybody who's listening to this. If you haven't experienced anything like that, man, do it. Like just, just go. Cause it's so life changing. Um, it, it definitely was for me, but yeah, man, I just remember being in that, um, that bathroom man, just realizing I, I just did not deserve what I had, and um, there I was being selfish about having so much when there were people that were just so genuinely happy and joyful about Christ, having little to nothing, having to travel hours just to get a gallon of water. It's like, yeah. dude, like, here we are just, like, in our, and I'm just, like, taking a shower, and I'm like, this is insane. Like, people over there would, like, die for an experience like this. And, man, it was so sad, but it was also, it, it was so eye-opening, man. Really was so. That's when I would say I really started taking my faith seriously. Is is when I experienced that, and I I see um, how much God has blessed me, and I really began to realize that. And um, man, it, it overwhelmed me, um, and it, it, it told me like it's time to it's time to start living this out more seriously. And so yeah, you know, tried to since then. Yeah, man, and I think that just goes to show that how sometimes what it takes is to not just hear a sermon, but to see a sermon lived out. Because, um, you know, in a lot of ways, they, in, in a lot of ways, when you go to places like that where people have, you know, unfortunate living circumstances and situations, you know, you go there to minister to them, but in a lot of ways, they minister to you. Absolutely. And by them being happy, you know, by, it, it's kind of like, uh, when Paul says to live as Christ, to die is gain. Cause Paul lived the type of life to where if you can throw me in prison, all you want and stuff, if while I'm alive, I'm going to be living for Jesus. I'm going to be sharing the gospel. I'm going to be doing this. If y'all take my life or if I, if I die, I'm going to be in heaven anyways. So I'm in a win, win situation. And so I think a lot of people that live in circumstances like that, but they've recognized Jesus as the one and true Lord and brought Jesus into their hearts. I think a lot of them live that way to where, you know, they, they understand that true joy is from Jesus. It's not, and some, I like to tell people a lot of times too, is that joy isn't dependent on like your circumstances or your surroundings. It's, you know, fully dependent on Jesus and what he's done for you. And so when you recognize that and when you can, you know, allow him to pour into you like that, no matter what happens, you're always going to have that joy. And, um, yeah, so I'm so glad that you were able to experience that and able to just see, I I guess to just have these, uh, the people in the, in Haiti just minister to you in that way. And just to see how God worked through all of that to get you to who you are and to build that up into you. And, um, kind of reminds me of a story that that I experienced too and I that's why I really love these retreats and stuff um I, I feel like a lot of retreats and trips are kind of taken advantage of 
because I don't know if you've heard the term like spiritual high where you would go on this retreat and you would have the spiritual high just for a week and then yeah. you come back and it's, you know, just gone. Mm. And at when it's like that, obviously you had that experience. I'm not taking that away from you, but, you know, did you, how well did you steward that experience? Did you, did you really bring anything back with you or did you just leave it all there? And so I'm glad that you brought something back with you from Haiti. And, um, yeah, it reminds me of when we went on a retreat. Um, it, we used to do this thing called radius camps to where we would just go to different. I think they had one in Auburn. They had one in Nashville, Charlotte, um, Florida, and just a couple other places too, St. Louis. And we went to one in Nashville and we went to this community, you know, um, like, you know, people were just living in unfortunate circumstances. So we were going there and helping renovate their park and stuff, paint the benches and, you know, just fix things up, clean it up, stuff like that. And there was this kid there who, uh, me and my friend Adam, we went there and we were hanging out with this one little kid and he would call, he called me butt face and he called Adam Bigfoot. But, and on the outside, you'd be like, what is wrong with this kid? Why is he acting <laughs> yeah. like this? But it, it really impacted me because, uh, not too many, not, a, not too many days later, um, I think him I think him and his mother they were getting evicted which was really sad because that was the last day we were there. Yeah. And so he was just kind of sitting by himself so we went and talked to him and stuff and he he was just happy that we were there. It he, obviously he was feeling, you know, bad a little bit but you know, we went there and we were hanging out with him. And so the way I describe it to people, you know, we may have been cuz he a lot of the other kids they would play you know, with, with together, but he would always be by himself because he was kind of, he had a bit of a potty mouth. He, um, he I guess I could say he wasn't the most well-behaved, um, but he was a good kid. And so me and Adam, we were hanging out with him. And the way I look at it, the way I describe it to people, we may have been the only butt face and Bigfoot that he's ever had in his life. Yeah. And so just that experience I haven't seen him since and I probably never will see him again, but I hope that it's had an impact on him in some type of way. But um, my point in bringing that up is that it's always good to, I like to, when I, I like to say we should be students of life, you know, don't let any experience or circumstance just go to waste, always take something from them. Um, and so I'm so glad that you were able to be ministered to in that way and just to see the joy that we're on a lot of these people's faces and that, that just goes to show that Jesus really is everything, you know? Absolutely. So that, that's what's up, man. And I'm so glad that that happened to you. Um, and so kind of pivoting a little bit while we were on the phone the other day, um, we were talking about, we were talking about the church and, and things like that. And so if you don't mind kind of summarize what we were talking about, man. And, yeah, and just kind of like how, um, I guess how that's relevant in your life. Yeah, so um, I want to make sure I say the right things here. Um, so I think it's very important. And, and first of all, let me begin by saying that me or Gabe or anybody else on the planet is not fit to judge. That exactly. is for the Lord. Exactly. So that's, yeah. that's where I want to start with all that is is yeah. is the Lord is the ultimate. I, who am I to judge, man? I'm a sinner. I'm a you're a sinner. 
everybody on this planet is a sinner except for one man that, that walked, and we both know who that is. Exactly, yeah. So let me start off by saying that. Um, I am not in a place to judge. Um, but one thing I will say, and, and, and some things that I maybe didn't have growing up um, in, a, in a church, and maybe other, people's, other people can relate, um, is a culture of non-judgment. I think that a lot of times in the church, especially, and I think things are getting better now, but um, previously in some, and this is obviously not every church, but there's a lot of churches that do have a very judgmental outlook. Um, and I was kind of raised in that kind of environment. And, you know, I think it's important to realize that we're all sinners and, and to be accepting, um, you know, um, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's a big, I think it's a big problem in the church. Um, I, I kind of like to look at it like this. I kind of like to look at it if, you know, and, and like I said, who might say this, but if, if Jesus is standing right next to me, I like to, whenever I'm in a situation where I can, really any situation, I kind of like to picture and think about like, like what would Jesus do in this situation? Yeah. And I think a lot of times the church struggles to do that. Um, because we're humans, we're sinners. There is no perfect church. Find me the perfect church. It doesn't exist. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, I think that occasionally the church can can be such a judgmental place that it can push people away from it, and I think that that's a serious problem. Um, the main reason that I really want to do this is to preach the love. God, one of my my favorite verse. Well, I have a lot of favorite verses, but God, it's, it's super simple, but it's crazy to think about that. Like. God is love. Like, think about yeah. that for a second. The relationship that you have with your mother and father or sister, like, that love is, it comes from the Lord. How, like, powerful and beautiful is that? Yeah. Like, I get so, uh, it's just such a powerful, I don't know, it's such a powerful statement. Um, but, man, the church is called to love. Out of, out of all of these, love is the strongest. Like, um, that's what the, the church is, is called to do. That's mm-hmm. what I think the church is meant to do, especially in a, in broken communities, mm-hmm. which we see in America today big time. Like, dude, we see people with a lot of differences, a lot of people that are, you know, people might say they live in sinful lives, a lot of people that wouldn't potentially be accepted in the church, and that's a problem. Yeah. The person that you're, that, that, that whoever is that's judging another person, you're just as much a sinner. Mm-hmm. God views sin as sin. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how it works. And the fact that I think a lot of people in the church think that they live, you know, a life that's good enough to where they can judge others and judge others to, so much to where they would kind of push them out of the church, mm-hmm. um, which, I, I, like I said, I think is a big problem. Um, we're all sinners, man. Um, the church needs to be a place where everyone is loved and accepted and everyone is um, brought in with open arms because that's yeah. what Jesus would do. I know he would. I, I just do um, because we're all sinners, man. Like, yeah. No matter what, like, I don't care what kind of life you live. I don't care what you believe. Like, dude, like, Jesus loves you, and he wants you in here, and he wants you to have community in him. Mm. And, um, yeah, that's really important to me. Um, everyone needs to experience the love of God, and how can you experience the love of God if you're in a church that isn't loving you? Yeah, you know? yeah. So that's kind of like a calling I, I kind of have to, to come on this too is, is just to preach the love, man. Like, if you told me, all the problems in the world, politics, war, us disliking each other, hate, whatever it yeah. is, 
racism, whatever. Dude, what's going to solve the issue? Not some silly politician. Not some, no. Dude, it's the love of God, man. Like, yeah. that's just how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. If you told me, how do you change the world? People got to love each other like Jesus loves us, man. Yeah. That would solve every single conflict on this planet. If we could all be filled with the love of the Lord and display it amongst our peers, dude, man, amazing things would happen. So yeah, I think as people were called to love, um, and that's what we got to do better. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree, man. I think that, and, and before we started recording, I even said, you know, the thing that I tried to avoid the most is pride because I think a lot of times as Christians, um, especially if you've been gifted tremendously um, and you're starting to grow in so much wisdom and you're starting to have the, you're starting to, I guess, be refined and you're starting to get better and starting to live righteously a lot more. Um, And then your eyes have been so open that you can start to recognize sin and you can start to recognize um, and discern what's right and wrong. It can put you in a place where you are just constantly judging people. Um, And it's like, it's kind of like, and I, we mentioned this, um, it was one of the questions I did. And by the time we're, as we're recording this right now, the episode hasn't come out yet, but I did an episode with my sister and my cousin. One of the questions that we got was, um, um, what was it? Uh, is ego good, bad, or both? And I, I think that a lot of times as Christians, we could, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this in the right way. So I obviously it's up to God. God is in charge of like our blessings. Um, we can't necessarily like say, oh God, I want this and it'll just come. So God is in charge of our blessings. But I think sometimes we can look at those, we can take receive those blessings, but it can turn into a, oh, I'm so good now that we, in, in other words, our church is growing so much and it is so blessed that the presence of this person will put us down a little bit. So we're just going to do that. Or even let's say if somebody were to, you know, just commit a sin, right? And it's a pretty significant sin. Obviously sin, all the wages of sin is death, right? There's no sin that's necessarily greater than the other in terms of the judgment that comes upon you from them. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, in society's view, let's say it's a significant sin and your church, you try to maintain your reputation of your church instead of instead of speaking life into somebody who is struggling with something. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm 23 years old, um, so I, I don't know everything. But yeah, one yeah. thing that I have realized is people tend to go to human figures for validation, yeah, for um, for all these certain things that they really shouldn't. Um, ultimately, the Lord and, and, and Jesus' example in the Bible is is what we need to glorify. Not any leader of, and not any human, really. Um, and that's a lot of times where I think people get in trouble. Um, we look to politics. We look to pastors. We look to um, all these 
human figures to solve our issues. Um, and that's just not how it's going to work. That's not, they're not going to solve them. The only one that'll solve you, the only one that'll give you that happiness when you have nothing like that Haitian mm-hmm. is going to be the love of Christ. Yeah. And, um, man, I, we got to preach that to the rooftops because that's, what's going to, that's, what's going to change the world, man. Yeah. Nothing else. That's yeah. it. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think a lot of times we, we get kind of tied up in, in, in our, on our, maybe our good works or, yeah. um, whatever it may be. And we just tend to think that, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not as much as a sinner as this person. I'm not living a life of sin like this person. I'm not yeah. doing these certain things. And, and a lot of times we kind of just act like they maybe don't exist or we, we ignore them in the church or we don't really welcome them. Um, but the fact is, is like I, like I said earlier, man, any, any pastor, me and you, we are just as much sinner as those people. Like that's yeah. how the Lord looks at it. And so, yeah, we just got to love. That's ultimately the truth. That's the truth that'll set us free is the love of Christ, man. Yeah, that's right, man. And, you know, even when you think about the church, you know, the church should be a picture of the relationship with, you know, Jesus and the church, right? And that love. And like you were saying, God is love. And, you know, he loved us so much that he sent his son for our sins. And, you know, obviously we could dive into love, like, in so many ways. I think 1 Corinthians 13, one of one of those chapters, uh, I think it's 13, but I'll, I'll put it up on the screen just in case I'm I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, I think that's where it talks about you know love is patient, love is kind, um, and all of that stuff. And so I think that should be shown a lot more, and not not just in the church, but just in life in general. Um, and then even kind of even you know adding to that, it, it breaks my heart when I hear stories of people that had been a church that hadn't done a good job of, I guess, stewarding or balancing the, how do you say it? They, they, it's, it's so much focused on the head of the church, right? As in, you know, like you were saying, the figure more than who really, who is actually the head, which is Jesus. Right. And it, it breaks my heart when I hear stories about, you know, some churches that are so focused on the figure that let's say somebody has been hurt by the church or somebody, um, yeah, like has been hurt by the church and they've been hurt so much to the point that they walk away from not just the church, but just the faith in general. And, you know, obviously there are some circumstances where, you know, it, it's on the person to really dive into um, building that relationship with Jesus to where that doesn't happen. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people go to the church because that's where their spirit is fed at. And um, they just don't really know how to do it on their own yet. So they look to others to kind of help them out. Yeah. But when instead of receiving help, you've received hurt, that can be an issue. And so, like you were saying, man, that that love and just showing that godly love, I, I think that that's so essential in the church. And it takes, obviously, studying. It takes, just I mean, just being a good person, really, and and everything. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that, man. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's the biggest thing. Like the church can struggle with, and church leaders, like they, 
dude, I'll be honest with you. So we were about to get on this podcast. I'm thinking like, man, I got to put like my good hat on that has no sweat stains. I got to wear my nice shirt. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> then I'm ultimately like, and I remember I had a calling to say this, like, it's not about me. Yeah, that's it's right. It's not yeah. about the pastor. It's not about the worship leader. It's not about any of them. It's about the Lord. That's the mm-hmm. only reason that we should be going mm-hmm. to church. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times, specifically, I guess pastors can kind of get that mindset that it kind of tends to start to become about them. And I think that that comes from a selfish place, which is sad. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, man, like as people, we, we really do tend to look to some sort of human figure to figure out our problems or to do all these things. And again, I can't repeat it enough. It's, it's going to, what's going to set you free is, is not that pastor that you listen to. It's going to be the message that he's potentially speaking the love of Christ. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, we definitely need to do a better job of not idolizing our leader so much and making sure that the only idol in the church is Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I feel like. Yeah. And while we were on the phone kind of talking about it a little bit, I, I mentioned to you um, that I've been, I've been blessed in the fact that I've never had to deal with that. Um, all of the pastors that, you know, I've been blessed to have in my life, you know, all of them have cared about the church. They've cared for the people and they've never been so attached to the title of pastor. Even in the first episode I did with my pastor, something he said, um, he said he, I don't think he said he doesn't like the title pastor, but he said he doesn't attach himself to that because he's, he's just like, you know, us, it's not, you know, it's not like, oh, he's the face, I guess. Yeah. He, he doesn't want to be the face. He wants to be part of the people, uh, be a part of the church. And so um, where was I going with that? Well, here's what uh, I'll say. I think yeah. I'll think, I, I think that um, if you want to mess up your Christian faith, man, start putting your Christian faith's foundation in a human figure, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Start doing that and it will crumble. It will not last because that human is, is, is not Jesus, you know? So that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of in a response to kind of what you said there. It's, it's very important that when you are to maybe pick a church or whatever the situation may be is, is to find a place that makes sure that the leaders aren't idolizing themselves and that their, their pure motive is, you know, Jesus Christ. And, and I, think that, I think the church has really kind of figured this out and is trending in a good direction. I think this was maybe more of a relevant problem. Uh, I mean, it's, it is still a relevant problem today, but it was it was more relevant um, back in the 80s and 90s and 2000s and um, early 2000s. I think kind of now we're, we're getting away from it. Um, yeah. Which is really good. Because mm-hmm. I think we're getting away from it because we're seeing the, we're seeing the results. Like, People are, are might be leaving the church, and they might be. I think that kind of that trend is, is, is going away because we're seeing that it's just not a lasting way of faith. People aren't going to show up if they're disappointed in a church, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah, man, um, we cannot idolize human figures except for Jesus. Yeah, and that is just I can't harp on that enough. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that, man, because um, something about this generation, I. Th- think I can't I don't some people may agree some people may disagree I, I think this generation is definitely yearning for something but a lot of people just don't know what they're yearning for yep um 
And so I think it's us, it's our job to kind of be the mouthpieces for the Lord and make sure that the voice of Jesus is the loudest voice. Um, it was something the the director of M28, he was on here a few weeks ago. Something he said was their goal, M28, yeah, M28. He said their goal is to make sure that the voice of Jesus is the loudest voice that people hear, especially um, new freshmen that come into college where they're just trying to make friends. They're trying to build a network, you know, whatever their goal is. And you could just have so many voices coming at you, telling you where to go, do this, do that, do this, do that. But um, it's kind of like that bait, those baby stages too. like the first 10 years of your life. Like you were saying, you learn so much. I think it's the same thing in college as well. That first week could be a really big week for any incoming freshman. And so if somebody can be introduced and just covered by that voice of Jesus from, you know, the people who are standing for Jesus and stuff like that, that could definitely help. And so I think this generation, a lot of people are yearning for something. And if we can be, if we could just shout Jesus name and just share that love and show that love, I think that can make a real difference. Um, but obviously playing our role as well um, and not trying to be bigger than Jesus, but showing people to him. And, you know, something I tell my brothers all the time, I tell them, you know, y'all, cause all my brothers are younger and they, they look up to me. They, they, they do everything I do. Yeah. And so I try to make it a point to them at, I try to make it a point, you know, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so I try to make it a point to them. Don't necessarily view me as the role model, but, you know, let me point you to who the real role model is, which is Jesus, you know, because I'm trying to shape through him. Yeah. yeah. And so what I'm doing isn't what Gabriel is doing. It's what Jesus has called me to do. And so it's all Amen. Jesus. Right. And so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, man. And, you know, even for anybody who has experienced uh, being hurt by the church or things like that, you know, my first thing that I would say, and obviously I've never experienced that, but just from someone who's on the outside looking in of those experiences, one of the first things I would say is don't take it lightly. Um, and what I mean by that is don't just try and brush it off, but don't rush the process either just kind of take a moment to process what really has happened and really see, seek after Jesus. Cause that's a pivotal point. Cause you could either go one way, you could go the other, you could either turn from the faith completely, or you could allow it to pull you even closer to Jesus. Cause you recognize that people aren't perfect and people may have let you down, but Jesus never has. So that could be a point in your life where you could really just pull yourself closer to him. Um, but yeah, I guess the first thing I would say is don't take it lightly and just really use it as a time to reflect and process and then just give it to Jesus and just be within his presence and, you know, his loving presence, of course, and everything. Yeah. Um, anyone that's been through any church hurt or had bad experiences in the church, just my ultimate advice to you is give it to the Lord. Pray about it, you know? Talk to him about it. He is the ultimate healer. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would really say to anyone with, with church hurt is, is, is talk to him. Um, and, yeah, don't don't rush the process like you said. I mean, if you want to take some time to to realize kind of what you're looking for and, and, and maybe you've been 
yeah, maybe you've been hurt by the church and you you, you kind of learn lessons from that and you've realized what you maybe want to look for in, in someplace new. Um, so, yeah, pray about it. Yeah, definitely. But um, kind of going back to you, man, uh, and staying on topic but kind of relating it to you, you said that you're really passionate about preaching about God is love, which I think every Christian should be passionate about because that's, you know, that's the gospel, right? It's all rooted in love. And, you know, one of the most popular verses, of course, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, yep. right? And so how did, how did you get to that? What made you passionate about that? Does that come from somewhere or is it just kind of something where you were in deep study and that's yeah. something that God had shown you or revealed to you so, while studying? Yeah, I have a lot of answers to that. I would think the main one is when I kind of made a church transition to a, a place that was a little bit more, like I kind of described in the beginning, that was a little bit more filled with judgment, and, and I transitioned to one that felt a little bit more like a love and acceptance. Um, yeah. And so I think that was really what triggered that to where I am today also. And I can um, I can speak on this. You know, in, in ninth, 10th grade, I had a really, really good, like, guys like in my church um and i never really had that super important if you're a young man in high school or in in middle school dude get involved with a group of guys that love you and are passionate about the lord like please do um because man they had a huge impact on my life the two leaders in that group and everybody else and we talked about some really awesome things um they really showed me really what I'm here talking about today, they really showed me the love of Christ by, honestly, by loving me. You yeah. know, it, it's, it sounds simple, but it's, it's really true. Um, so much of an impact on, on who you are is, is, is the leaders in your life and who you're surrounded by. And I was surrounded by this, this group of guys that they were just so important in, in my spiritual development um, in that ninth, 10th grade area. Dude, like they really taught me what the love of Christ really looks like. They loved one another and they loved others. And that really showed me, like, this is what the church is supposed to look like. Yeah. This group of guys right here was, like, a, divi- a diverse group. Like, we did not, like, out- it's, it's funny. <laughs> I don't really talk to them much anymore, but they were so different from me. Like, they were, like, like, like skater kids. Like, they had, like, tight, skinny black jeans and, like, ripped in their holes. <laughs> and I'm a little bit more from the country, but, like, the <laughs> suburb area. But they had, like... You know, they looked at a bunch of tattoos, and they and they 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 weren't interested in what I was interested in sports. Like they didn't care about anything about sports. Like yeah, they were into photography and like all these things that I was interested in. But it, it's it's interesting because it really didn't matter because like they just loved me for who I was. You know yeah. what I mean? We didn't have to have similar interests. We didn't have to bond over certain things. We they loved me because they were filled with the love of the Lord, and they realized that the leaders in that group, they realized that in order to speak to me in the best way possible, it was to love me and to, to be a good example. Um, and that's exactly what they were. Um, and so that really, yeah, like I said, it really gave me that mindset of like, this is what it's supposed to be like. And they really showed me that like, the only way to fix these problems is, is through love. They, they, they were a perfect example of like, this is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. So I would say what really developed me to have that sense of like that God is love and that is like what I would like preach to everybody is through them um mm-hmm. it's pretty neat yeah and you know by their by their uh by their fruits right and I I definitely agree with what you said man um 
having a community of people around you, not only can they, you know, speak life into you and love you and stuff, but they can also hold you accountable um, and they can be a safe place for you if you're struggling with sin or if you're struggling with the situation or if you're struggling with, you know, an experience that you may be going through in your life. It can be a safe place to where you can you trust them to give you sound and wise counsel, but at the same time, respect your, um, respect your privacy and that not just go and just share it with everybody, you know? And so I'm, I'm so glad you had that for, for you, man, because it, were they, were these, uh, guys around your age? Were they older or? Yeah. Um, they were, so when I was in 10th grade, they were probably like 24 or so. Okay. So they were young guys. And it was neat because they could like kind of relate to me through age. Like they they treated me, which was really cool. They they treated me kind of like I was their friend. It wasn't like they, yeah. were, which is so important. Um, yeah, it's like they weren't better than me. They weren't cooler than me. They weren't like because they were older than me. Like they had experienced more things than me. And it's like, but they just treated me like their friend. Like they just like text me like, "What's up, dude?" Like like it wasn't like, "Oh, this is." It's like kind of like a, a parental figure can never be like, in my opinion, at least, like your parental figure can never be like a friend like that exactly because yeah, they're this, older than you they're your parents it's like they still need that authority yeah yeah but um but somebody like that leader in the church they don't necessarily need that they just need to love you man like yeah be your friend like yeah so and that's what they were so it was it was really cool experience having that growing up it's it's and it's super important um to find a good group um if you're somebody that's you know that age or, or at any age really um in the church is, is find a group of, of, of guys or girls or whatever. Um, and yeah, talk to them about faith and life, pray with them, um, be open about your problems, talk about it, yeah. you know, um, having those brothers in, in faith was so important because we would, we would talk about like really like a lot of wild things or a lot of things that they had maybe messed up and done. And it was like, it stayed within that circle and we, we prayed together and, it brought us closer and it was just, it was a beautiful experience. So, yeah. And, and the love, the love of God is like a perfume or like a cologne. It like, uh, it attracts, I, I feel because in the Bible, I think where it talks about how peace, you know, godly peace surpasses all understanding. Um, I could be right or wrong. I don't know, but I think around the area um, or in the gospels with Jesus, you know, we're told that, he gives us a peace that isn't like the world gives us or something like that. I think it's the same thing with love. I think love is a very overused and wrongly used word nowadays to where it's, I'll just say it like this. When you, when you receive a love that is from the Lord through somebody else, it just hits different. I, I, I can't just, I don't know how to describe it, can't describe think, it. God is love. Can't. Yeah. I mean, it's like, dude, like that's part of it. It's like, it's, that's why that verse is so amazing to me is cause like, if there's anything on this planet, you can't describe, like, I know, like I'll listen to these podcasts about, you know, like an atheist against and like, mm-hmm. will explain like love to me. Like That's something they would commonly say. And it's like, they, nobody really can. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, cause what we are, you know, that's God. Like God is love. It's just, it's, it's such a wild thing to think about. It's kind of hard to put into words. Exactly. Um, but yeah, man, um, love's gonna change the world. Yeah, and it but it, it really doesn't make sense, but in a good way, because when you when you really 
start to recognize how bad sin truly is. And this is why I kind of, it gets tricky thinking about, it it gets tricky when you're thinking about the works-based salvation and uh, salvation by faith alone through Jesus alone, Mm. Uh, salvation by grace alone, faith alone, grace alone through, whatever, you know what I mean. Um, It's like, I think the the people that, you know, those who believe in the works-based salvation, I have to work myself to heaven, right? Yeah, that's a common misconception in faith like it's yeah. crazy when people say stuff like that they're like oh you know like i didn't go to church or like that's oh yeah i'm a christian like i don't go to church like you know just like things like that like oh like i lied today like you know like that's not how faith is is judged like a lot of times yeah. people think that their works is what gets them into heaven which is so false yeah if our works is what got us into heaven then dude we're all going to hell yeah <laughs> i mean really though exactly like, exactly um so yeah when people say that kind of stuff it, it's 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 such a misconception with faith is like that that works really do anything as far as you, I guess, ultimately going to heaven. Like that's not exactly how it works. Yeah. Like, dude, you can be a, you can be a sinner all your life and do terrible, terrible, terrible things. But dude, if you give your life to Christ and you begin to live that out, dude, I don't care if you're, I don't care, in my opinion, I don't care if you're 65 years old and you spent your life killing people and, now you're 65, and for that last year, you gave your life to Christ at 65, and you lived a God, as godly as a life as possible, and you died at 66. I think you're going to heaven. I mean, you are going to heaven. Yeah. Be, I mean, like, good works is not what does it. It's not that, like, you can go do something like, oh, there's no way I'm getting into heaven. That's not how it works, and that's yeah. a super common misconception. And um happens all the time where people say stuff like that. And I kind of, it's just like, I want to explain, like, that's not, that's not how faith works. But. Yeah, because... In a way, that's kind of that's kind of inferring that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough. It, yeah, it's it's kind of point. inferring that his sacrifice wasn't enough. His sacrifice isn't powerful enough to overcome to overcome your sin. That you have to do good works in order to get right. that. And people that are doing good works solely because they think that it will get them anywhere is like in heaven, or that's just that's that's not how it works. You need to have a relationship with the Lord. You need to give the Lord. I need you need to give your life to the Lord. Yeah. That's ultimately how you get to heaven, not by doing whatever it is, like going on a podcast or <laughs> teaching Sunday school or yeah. whatever it is. Like that's not it's just not how good works. That's not how the, the Lord views good works. Yeah, and that and that's not to say that you should just go out and do whatever you want. That, no, definitely but, not. Like you need to I think you do need to and that and that is an area where like I've actually like recently been doing a lot of research in and like kind of trying to formulate my opinions a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um because a lot of times, and, and the Bible is not um, misleading, of course, but there are some times where, like, you might read, you know, John three sixteen, where it's like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I say these words and I'm getting into heaven, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you might, you know, live a life where you don't consider God's opinion in anything. Exactly. And it's kind of like, well, where, like, where do you, do you fall there? Um, so I, I do think, here's what I ultimately think. I think, and, I, and like I said, I could be wrong about everything I'm saying today. But uh, here's what I think. I think if you truly believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, no matter what, you will live or try to, try to, not that you will, but you try to, that's important, Mm -hmm. you try to live a life according to his will. Like you try to live a godly life because if you ultimately believe that Jesus created the earth, he created every single cell in your body, 
if you believe the Bible, if you believe all these things, I, I think if you truly consider and believe that, then you will try to live a life pleasing him. Yeah. Try to. Yeah. You're not going to, of course. You're not Jesus. But mm-hmm. you'll you'll try to live a life um, pleasing him. If, if, if Jesus, I think, and, and I could be wrong, but I think, you know, if Jesus, I guess is, the way I'm saying this isn't exactly correct, but if Jesus' opinion is not considered in any decisions that you make in your life, then I would I would probably be questioning your faith a little bit. Yeah. Um, because if you ultimately believe that he is who he is, you want to please him. So, you know, that's kind of where I stand on that. And like I said, I'm still kind of formulating my opinions on that kind of stuff because that is such a, like, that is a very slippery slope. Yeah, it um, is, yeah. So, yeah, I'm still kind of formulating what I believe there, and, and you know, I don't know if there is exactly a line, and... Ultimately, though, it's not. It's it's really not. It's not my decision. It's not. You know, like I said, like who am I to judge? Like I, you know, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. That's the Lord's decision. It's not not ours. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you know, even Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The oldest past new has come. You know, I I think, I think the Bible means what it says. Well, not I think. I know the Bible means what it says. And so when it says new creation, I do think there has, I mean, not saying you have to become like this. Let me say it like this. I think the power of the Lord and the chain, I I think going from a heart without the Holy Spirit to a heart with the Holy Spirit, there should be some type of change. And it's hard to say because obviously you can't, we learn in First Samuel, I believe, that we we God can see what's on the inside. We can't when they were going through the process of figuring out the king and choosing David. Um, Samuel didn't recognize that at first. He thought it was going to be David's brothers because his brothers were older. They were more strong, that stature. But then he realized it was David. And so he anointed David at that time with the oil and everything. But... Um, I guess for somebody who grew up in the church and who didn't necessarily, in society's view, make bad choices, when they when it clicks and they become a Christian, it's kind of like, okay. And I talked about this with one. I, I like this because a lot of the people I've had on here, it kind of relates. I had this um, one of my friends, Jordan, on here. He went to UNCC as well. And we were talking about how our testimonies, and I used to struggle with this, I used to think my testimony was kind of boring because it because it um I grew up in the church and now I'm like doing ministry involved stuff yeah. and so some people may look at that and be like well you're just doing what you were supposed to do that's you know that's what you were supposed to do which is true but I think every work that God does is powerful just cuz you had the cards were laid the cards that were dealt for you were leading to ministry the whole time doesn't necessarily mean that there shouldn't be a change. There shouldn't be a change in your mind, a change in that stuff. And pretty much the reason I bring this up is because, you know, kind of like what you were saying where the love for the Lord should be so great that you should have that desire to live out his will. Yeah, um, I think for somebody, I think for somebody who grew up in the faith, 
it can be kind of hard to see that change because they it's it's kind of like what they were already doing it if if that makes sense uh versus somebody who kind of went from the like you were saying the 65 year old who's living a life full of just just terrible Terrible life like terrible things and then you know in the last moment they you know commit their life to christ um but at the end of the day, I do think there has to be some type of change, whether whether it's outwardly or whether it's you know fully inward. Yeah, I think if it, is, I think if you have a full inward, if you have a full change, then you will outwardly as well. It's like that's true. Yeah, if the Lord is is in your heart and He's working, like that's gonna show in your actions. Yeah. Like it is. Yeah, and that's that's real faith. That's the kind of faith that attracts people. Yeah, like in waves when you are someone who has the lord in your heart and you display that love and that that example out for the world to see mm-hmm. that's when you find people that you know that i think that's that's who i strive to be i think that's you who everyone strives to be is that person that naturally attracts people to them because they have this faith in the lord that is undescribable yeah and it is just so attractive when someone has that and it attracts them to the church and it attracts them to a light life full of Jesus. Um, and I think that's, that person is ultimately who God calls us to be is, is the one that has, is fully committed to him to, and, and just lives that out. And it is just, people just eat that up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but that's the, and that's the way that God made us. And that's who, uh, you know, that's how we're going to expand the kingdom is by honestly, by being good people, mm-hmm. loving others and, and, and yeah, that's how we're going to expand it, man. Um, there's so many people like in my life I can name, I'm not going to be like names and like there's people that just like they have something about them. And it's like, yeah, okay. You just yeah. want to like be like them almost. Um, they're meant to be deacons in the church. Um, they are. I mean, those people, we need more of those people. And those are, that's the kind of person I'm striving to be. I'm sure that's the person you're striving to be. Um, someone that just naturally has. Jesus so consumed in their heart that they they bring others with them. Yeah, that's that's how faith grows. Is, yeah. is that? So. Yeah, and you can you can almost smell it on people too. Um, yeah. yeah, you you can almost smell it on people. There's definitely been people that I'm sure you've met that I I'm, I'm I've met and I'm sure that you've met where you like we said obviously you can't we can't we're not mind readers and we're not heart readers we can't. We can't 100% say, oh, this person's a Christian. Um, you know, only God can fully see that. Of course. But, I mean, I'm sure there's people in your life where you're like, oh, yeah, they're they're going to heaven. I know they're going to heaven. Right. And in my life as well, we're like, yeah, I know they're going to heaven. Not just because they've confessed with their mouth, but they've believed in their heart and, the, yeah, their actions. Yeah. And you can just tell, like, you know, even something as simple as how you treat someone who you go to a restaurant, the uh, the waiter or waitress who's brought you your food, and just seeing how somebody interacts with them, you know, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Like just something as simple as that. I mean, I know that's simple, yeah. but no, a, cons- a, a consistent a consistency of just yes. seeing that you're kind of it's kind of like wow, this person really has they got really, the fruit of the spirits, man. Yeah, really, that's really good do. manners and. Yeah, the fruits of the spirits too, man. And so, yeah, I definitely think that there there's some people where you could just you could just feel it off of them, and you could just get that. Um, and like you were saying, 
I, you were saying um, you definitely want to be one of the a person like that, and I'm sure you are a person like that to a lot of people. Um, and that, I think that's one of the biggest compliments you can get, especially as a believer. Um, at work, actually, uh, there's this guy, and we've every time he comes to the Charlotte office, we we take one day in the week and we just do like a study before work and stuff like that. It's like a quick Bible study devotional type of thing, mm-hmm. and. When we when we first met, um, some he said he was like, you know, I wanted to, you know, do a study with you because I could just kind of tell that you were about that life, like yeah. you were about that. You, man, that's a great feeling. I'm sure. Getting yeah, because it, it it really is, it really is a good compliment because that's. Be- I think it's the best one you can have, man. Yeah, if someone man. sees the Lord in you, um, and working in you, and they notice that something is different about the way you live your life. And it's left such an impact on them. Yeah, where they man. ask you to do a Bible study, dude, that's beautiful. I'm, dude, good for you, man. I'm happy. Yeah, man. Happy to hear that. Yeah, and that it, it is powerful, man. And especially when, especially when you have such a desire to seek for the Lord, you know, like seek versus versus righteousness, um, and then you start to see the fruits of that, and you start to see people kind of like being impacted by that. You know, I always like to say significance over fame, you know, because fame is, you know, more about like how many people know you. But significance is more about are you having some type of impact in these people's lives? And so if if you can try and have some type of impact in people's lives and, you know, it appreciation is shown for that, obviously not saying you I need validation or we need validation. But at the same time, you know, when you can when it's shown to you, I guess that's a really good feeling, man. It it really is, and even with the Old Testament prophets, you know Paul and everybody. I'm sure a lot of them. I'm sure they're up in heaven, like jumping up and down, seeing Christians. Like, because think when you think of Jer- the prophet Jeremiah, you know a lot of the people that he was prophesying to, they weren't listening to him. They're like, oh, what's this dude talking about? He's crazy. We're in exile right now to Babylon all this stuff, but all these years later, seeing how his his book that God spoke through him has impacted millions of lives, I'm sure he's up in heaven, like, jumping up and down, yeah. like, it was all worth it, you know? Yeah, I think, um, I think the best sermon is experiencing time with someone who is filled with Christ, like, yeah, man, like, man, like, you're not gonna, you know, you're not truly gonna, I don't want to say you're not truly gonna experience, but when you find somebody like that, that is that is genuinely just filled with the fruits of the spirit and is um, just a good person um, that has just the Lord overflowing in their hearts, man. That is when you will, you know, realize what Christ is all about. Not yeah. in my opinion. Not I mean, and sermons are very good and important and go to church, but ultimately, being a consistently a good person and somebody else seeing that—that that is the ultimate, like. Um, that is the ultimate as far as someone seeing Christ. Yeah, I think definitely. really that is, I think that's why it's so important that God is, you know, just, just in our hearts and working and, and, and pushing us to be good people, just like he is um, and how the Bible tells us to be is so other people see it. God calls us to be that person that you may know watching or that you know or that I know that um, God's in that person and and, is, um, and it's led them to places like the church or them a, a further relationship, like that guy from your work, like, um, because he's seen the way that you live your life, and that is ultimately what's changed him is the way that you see 
the way that that he sees that you live your life. Yeah. Not going to church, not seeing something on TikTok, not seeing someone on Instagram, not seeing some video about faith. It's because he experienced you living your genuine life. Yeah. Right? That is mm-hmm. what ultimately brought him to a situation where he wants to be like, let's do a Bible study or something because he sees yeah. the way that you live. It's how you live. It's not, yeah. you know, and, and that's awesome that you – that's awesome that he's done that and that you're that kind of example for those people in your work, man. That's, that's so beautiful. Um, so that's ultimately what's going to lead people to Christ. Yeah, definitely, bro. You know? Yeah. So I, I, and I'm, I'm sure there's so many people in your life as well that look at you and they can just, it's like I was saying that, that perfume, that cologne, that, that is of the, the, the aroma of Jesus and just how it, it's like a magnet for people, even people that may not necessarily be believers or who are, you know, just kind of like um, just beginning in the faith, you know, seeing somebody who's just genuinely living their life, but living it for Jesus and not not necessarily. I, I like to say like a gospel turkey where it's like gospel, 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 like and, and obviously not saying there's anything wrong with that, but not everybody wants the gospel shoved down like just it, sometimes it can be I overwhelming shove it, a lot of times when i think when you like kind of shove it down like that it, it, it has potential to show that it's not as genuine because it's like yeah yeah people see that like well i want to see the way that you live like yeah like they exactly. want to see the way that you live like that's what's going to attract them not what you tell them or not what you see how i live my life that is what ultimately will bring them to asking you to do a bible study yeah it's not what you shove down the throats with far as like you know um, I think we actually kind of can have, a, a, in my opinion, an issue with that in our faith is, like, people will go on the streets. or Like, I know it's a big thing on college campuses. Mm-hmm. It's a huge thing on college campuses. Like, somebody will come, and they will just really try to push things on. And I'm not saying don't. Obviously, that's a good thing if they're, ex, you know, expressing, you know, the love of the Lord and trying to display that in front of everyone, which is great. I'm not saying don't go do that. But I think there are – I think you do push boundaries to – if you're someone that does that and you don't really live it out kind of how yeah. you do, like, yeah. I think, like I said, people will make the ultimate will make the ultimate decision seeing somebody else's life lived out, mm-hmm. not somebody going on a college campus, you know, screaming all this stuff about hate, really, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really important in our faith is, is being someone that's genuine. Um, I mean, we've talked about that a lot. That's really, you know, I mean, it's, it's everything. Um, but, you know, constantly barking that is not really doing you as much good as it is just living a life and letting people naturally see it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times when people do that, they actually tend to cause um, just, like, spite in people. Like, yeah. know, like man, like, I don't want to be anything like this guy, like, screaming on this college campus about, you know, how much he hates so-and-so and whatever, or whatever it is and, or what he thinks, and it's like, that doesn't, like I said, like that does not necessarily. Attri- I mean, it might some, which is good if it does. Yeah. But that does not necessarily bring people to Christ. How just living your life, being a good example, does. Yeah, and something I've heard is that for a lot of people, the most real version of themselves is who they are at home, and, and so I think if you can, and obviously if you're like doing good things obviously I'm not saying like if you're being abusive or other things like that to go live that out in the world but if you you know if you like 
if you like playing video games, you know, don't don't hide that, you know, be a genuine person. You don't have to like hide that yeah. if you and I think it a lot of a lot of people I think they call it like code switching, I guess. Um the way I act at home or the way I talk, obviously you want to be Let's say me, for example, I'm at work and obviously you want to be professional and, you know, do your job. But at the same time, when I'm at home, I like to make jokes. I like to, you know, just be myself. And so if I'm at work, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather you be yourself than try and change who you are just to for me to like you, I guess, because I think. When you're kind of like what you were saying, when you're genuine, when you're yourself, I think people are attached to that more so than if you're faking it. Because you can only fake it for so long and then Absolutely. people eventually see it and they'll be like, oh, you know. Yeah. It's important to realize I'm not, don't get it twisted. I'm not going, and I'm not, I don't want people to realize, don't go talk about Jesus. Like if that is something you have, oh, yeah, yeah, have a sure, call yeah. on your heart, like absolutely. But just, you know, make sure you're not um, shoving it so far down people's throats where they like are like I don't you know I just despise you in a way because I think that is something that sometimes um, people that preach the word out on like an example is college campuses I'm sure there's other examples or in just like the city or whatever it is um, mm-hmm. can do so just um, make sure you're cautious about it is all I'm saying if you were someone to do that um, yeah because sometimes in some moments people don't necessarily need a preacher they just need a friend yeah. you know they just need a someone to listen or someone to hang out or someone to spend time with. You know, and someone may be going through something and you're just constantly throwing Bible yeah. verses. Out. What's interesting is like <laughs> is those guys that I described to you like earlier. Um, yeah. In my uh, life high school. Like, yeah. In the high school, like these leaders, like we didn't really talk much about like, I mean, we did, of course, some, but we didn't really talk as much about like the Bible stories or all this and that. It's like they were just good, genuine people that wanted to be my friend. Mm-hmm. And that led me the most to Christ, much more than them talking about anything else. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't talk about it, and we did, of, yeah, course, of course, a good bit, but what ultimately, like, led them to the reason that I'm, like, talking to you about them is is because they, they loved me so well, and they, um, they treated me as a friend, and it's like, they were just good dudes. Like, yeah. I don't know how to describe it, they were just good, genuine people, and it's yeah. like, that's what made a difference in my life was seeing how they lived their life, you know? Yeah. It's about how you live your life, not what you may be here at a college campus or on a Sunday or whatever. It's um, you are most affected by seeing somebody living a godly life. Yeah. And that is what ultimately will bring you to the Lord. Yeah. A living sermon, man. And, you know, we can attain as much knowledge as we want, but if it's not being lived out, one, that's not wisdom because wisdom is just applied knowledge. Um, And then, you know, the only real wisdom is like, you know, the godly wisdom so even if someone may not necessarily be preaching the word to you, if they're living it out, you could learn. And then, you know, it could cause you to go do a study of your own. You know, what does the Bible say about what this person was doing? Yeah. You know, what does the Bible say about how this person was showing love to me? You know, stuff like that. So, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a thing. And that's definitely impactful. But, you know, I know we're getting close to the close to the time here, man. But for. For all of the people that are watching, man, I guess what is one piece of advice that you could give them? It could literally be about anything, but what is one piece of advice that you could give anybody, especially 
a young man who is striving to be someone who can live out what the Lord is allowing them to grow into and the knowledge that the Lord is giving them, how can they like live it out or what's some advice for that? Yeah. Um, what a great question. We, and like, and I've, I've harped on this already, but yeah, if you want to be someone that can live it out, that can make a change in someone's life. Or if you're someone who's just beginning your journey with the Lord and you're not sure what direction you want to go in, my best advice to you is to love others, learn to love the Lord and love others, treat others well. Um, if you want people to be your friend, um, if you want people to see Jesus in you, you got to love no matter what the circumstances are. Um, yeah. That would be my advice. Another bit of advice is, is get involved. Get in a group. Like, dude, talk about things that you wouldn't usually talk about in, in, in with other groups of people. Um, yeah, get in a group, man. Find, you know, leaders that love the Lord and express um, – and show the Lord's example through their actions, not through what they say. Mm. Find somebody like the leaders that I found where they're not so tied up and this or that, but they just are good people that you can genuinely see the Lord in. Those kind of leaders are the ones that are going to have the biggest effect on, on changing you. Because as a young person, you will see the example that they are showing to you, and you will begin to live that out in your life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, two things. Learn to love people that are different from you. Learn to love everybody. Treat everybody with respect. Um, become one of those people that we've been talking about. And then go find a leader in the church, or even it could just be a school or whoever it is, a college ministry, um, a life group at your church, or, you know, maybe you're in sixth grade and you there's there's groups to get involved in your church. Get involved in a group. If, if your church doesn't organize it, organize it yourself. Say, hey, guys, like, I'm looking for some good Christian friends. Like, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, um Get in a group and love others, man. That's what I have to say. Yeah, that that's that's awesome, man. And I, I know that somebody is going to listen to this and, you know, it's going to hit them home. Or, you know, somebody else, they'll just be learning from everything that was said. But, you know, I appreciate you being on here, man. Yeah. Dude, I just um, want to say again, dude, I'm this is awesome what you're doing. Like you, you appreciate it. I'm proud of you, dude. Like you are expanding the kingdom kingdom of the Lord. Um, and this is a, I'm just. You're doing great things. Yeah, I I, pre- I appreciate that, man. And it, it was definitely something that um, it was very a very quick process. It was it, it was kind of like I brought the idea to and I think I was telling you about this. I brought the idea yeah. to my pastor and I was planning on starting, you know, I actually not too far forward from here. Like I was planning on starting in like March or April ish. But, you know, <laughs> my pastor was like. There's no better time than now. I mean, we have everything already, so why not do it? And, yeah, I it, it was one of those things where, you know, I just had to really step out on faith because um, I didn't know if I could, how well I could do podcast hosting and stuff like that. So I think it was just you're, one of those things. Great, you're doing a great job, man. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, so, yeah, and advice I would give anybody who, if you feel a calling on your life, you know, trust that God called you for a reason. Trust that, you know, just put it in his hands. Um, you don't necessarily have to obviously be smart about it, but sometimes it's not about waiting till you're a professional, but just trusting that God is going to use it in the way that he sees fit. And so I'm just trusting God with this man, um, and we'll see where he takes it. But yeah. Yeah, man. Again, I appreciate you for being on here. 
Um, for all of y'all listening, if you made it this far, thank you for tuning in. Uh, once again, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, on YouTube, it's The Reclassified. And then on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, it's, um, I almost forgot, it's uh, UR Story, the letter U, the letter R, and then Story. Uh, make sure you follow the Instagram page at The Reclassified Ministry. I'll have it tagged. I have all the links in the description, so you can go check those out or all of the tags in the description and stuff. Also, I have a blog that I do called uh, thereclassified.com where I just post different blogs on there. And if you've been listening to some of the other episodes, you could, you'll know the story behind that, um, how I reclassified grades and, you know, how that was a big changing pivotal moment in my life. And so, yeah, if you, if you just are interested, just go check that out and, you know, read some of them. I just put what the Lord puts on my heart on there. And I really do think that God can use it for something good. So, yeah, um, I think that's everything. I'm pretty sure that's everything. But, yeah, thank you all again for listening. Thank you, my brother Mark, for being here. Yeah, thank you, dude. And we will see you all next time. Peace out.